After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Baseball America Prospect Podcast is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me today is Taylor Blake Ward. We're going through the Angels' top prospects. Welcome to the show, Taylor. How are you, man? I'm good, Jeff. Good seeing you and good good chatting. Um, everything's good, buddy. A little cold, like we were talking about, but I can get past yes. it. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the snowy Southern California area, which... For those that don't know Southern California geography all that well, or topography, they uh, they might be a little surprised by that. But yeah, you, you let me know that you're up in elevation there, so you got more snow than I got out here in Boston. So yeah, um, I think you're a little colder, cold. but yeah, it's uh, we got three feet of snow last week, and you know a lot of people don't know that Southern California has mountains that that are capable of doing that. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, but I mean. Um, I got a bad baseball itch uh, earlier today. I've been wanting to play for a while, but like we were saying, just not able to do it right now with uh, a snow covered fields. And like my youngest son and I will throw pretty much year round. And then it hits kind of like mid January. We start to get some snow on the ground and it doesn't melt overnight. And it's like, all right, it's kind of tough to go out there and, you know, toss around a ball when it's icy and snowy. So I understand that. Hopefully it's melting for me soon and you as well. And we can get back to it. But, we're here to talk about some angels. They've been in the headlines a bit over this offseason. Um, I would say for some good and for some bad, but mostly for bad. <laughs> I don't think that's any shock with this organization over the last several years. Um, you know, in some ways, uh, a bit like a Shakespearean uh, comedy or tragedy, the way that's all worked out. But angels lose Shohei Otani this offseason, of course. That's obviously a major headline. They head into camp. Mike Trout's back. His comments, he seems ready to go. His teammate, Anthony Rendon, not so much. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let's talk about the departure of Otani, sort of what that means to this team going forward. And, I mean, they weren't making the playoffs with Otani, so it's not like the expectations might change, but not necessarily the result. So how do they push forward at this point? Because obviously that is a franchise-altering player, though it didn't have the intended effect over time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that, you know, you're filling two holes just losing him. You you need someone that's going to be a DH, and not only a DH, uh, someone that's hitting it at the top of the league. Um, you know, an, an all-star caliber hitter while also replacing an all-star caliber front of the rotation arm. Um, and I know that Shohei had a you know Tommy John again here, but you're losing so much. Um, 
you know, we talk about analytics and, and war, you know, you're losing 10 wins by losing Shohei Otani here. And where are you going to find those wins? And, and so far, uh, I don't think they're going to find it. I, it's, I don't think you can find it. And obviously not with one player, but even with two or three players, uh, you know, the aggregate is going to be tough to, to find. Um, so yeah, losing Shohei, not only for the market's sake, um, we, we don't know the exact dollar figure that Shohei Otani brings into the Angels, um, already, only Artie Moreno and his, uh, you know, finance, financiers would know that, but, but it's going to take a huge hit on the finances. Um, Shohei Otani brought a massive crowd. He brought big sponsorship with him. So there's an on-field value that, that you lose and there's an off-field value that you lose. Um, but, but I think Mike Trout put it simply is, you know, kind of expected him to, to be not an angel. And, and it kind of was leaning that he was going to be a Dodger this whole time. Um, that's the way it felt maybe even internally. Um, so, you know, there are questions about, uh, how the clubhouse reacted, how the clubhouse was, but it's not going to change the fact that you lost 10 wins, um, on the field and you lost millions upon millions of dollars off the field as well. Yeah. And it's obviously nearly impossible to replace that player. You can't do it with one. It would be very hard to do with two and you have to spend quite a bit of money to obviously be able to do that. Um, but looking at the the lineup now, you do have Mike Trout. Let's talk a little bit about what's on the lineup that uh, and what's you know on the the twenty six man roster that has been homegrown and produced by this organization. They've jettisoned some guys to the major leagues over the last couple of years, straight out of the draft, more or less. Uh, so they do actually have some homegrown talent at the major league level. Let's talk a little bit about that, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, I actually think the one-two punch in your lineup uh, before you get to Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon is going to be uh, Taylor Ward. And I think a lot of people forget that Taylor Ward was a homegrown talent or is a homegrown talent. But I think Taylor Ward is going to be hitting somewhere near the front of the lineup, either the one spot or two spot. Uh, maybe you move him back uh, if you can find someone that's going to get on base a little bit more than, than others in the lineup. Um, and Nolan Shonwell. Uh, I think Nolan Shonwell from day one is going to be somewhere in that front order. I, I don't know if the you know, the old school speed factor of having a, a fast guy uh, ahead of your big hitters is going to play, but he's a guy that's going to get on base for you, it seems like. Um, you know, small sample size at the major league level, and, and we're banking on things that he did a year ago at Florida Atlantic. But same time, um, I think those are two homegrown guys. You look at a guy like Luis Renjifo, who another guy you forget is is a homegrown talent. And, and you're looking at the back of your lineup a little bit more with uh, Zach Neto, Logan O'Hoppy. Um, Luis Renjifo, depending on where they play these guys. But Zach Neto, um, real exciting player. Um, I don't know if the, the, he's going to be an off-the-charts kind of performance guy, but he is a shortstop, and, and every team needs a, a reliable, true shortstop, and that's what he's going to provide for them. Same as Logan O'Hoppy is going to be a true, genuine backstop at catcher for them. Um, thing with Logan O'Hoppy is I think the upside is immense. I think Logan O'Hoppy um, – Showed it last year. He was on a he was on like a 40, 45 home run pace if he would have stayed healthy all year long, which I, I don't think he's going to be a 40-plus home run guy. Uh, but this is a guy that has some power, and he's going to be able to catch for you, and, and he's shown that he can get on base and hit a little bit. He's a good athlete. So they do have some young talent, uh, particularly in the lineup. Um, you know, Neto, Ohapi, Shonwell. Um, you know, if we're talking about guys like Taylor Ward and Luis Renjifo, Taylor Ward obviously would be the superior of the two, but Renjifo kind of gets the job done in that super utility role. And, you know, we get into the pitching staff and, and it gets a little trickier. Um, you know, Reed Detmers, uh, I think 
if we take it at face value, I think Reed Detmers has been what he's supposed to be. Um, right. You know, kind of a, a mid-rotation, back-end rotation arm. Um, and I don't think anyone was expecting him to be the ace of the staff, but that's kind of what he's kind of – a little bit of the asking price uh, for 2024 and beyond right now is, is Reed Detmers might be your number one for the Angels right now. Very good homegrown pitcher. Very good starting pitcher, a legitimate starting pitcher, but I think he would fit much better as a uh, mid rotation three, four, five arm. Yeah. Um, Chase Silseth, uh, very young, um, came in, and I, I like Chase Silseth stopped a couple losing streaks last year, pitched really well against the Yankees, the Braves, uh, very talented teams. I think we're just kind of scratching the surface a little bit on Silseth, but another guy that He's an 11th, 12th rounder, uh, signed way over slot, was horrible at Arizona, and then a year later he's in the majors. And I think uh, we're just scratching the surface of Silseth. And I'm not going to sit there and say that he's going to be the saving grace, but I think he's going to be a pretty good pitcher for them. Uh, And I think he's going to be able to stay in the rotation, which is important. Um, And then you've got – I mean, after this winter, the Angels have 50 options for their bullpen. Uh, they, They spend a lot of money on relief. Um, they have a lot of internal depth that they're going to touch into. Sam Bachman is going to be a starter in development still. I'm, I'm a little iffy on that. I think a lot of people are that aren't the Angels. Um, but Sam Bachman is a guy you could throw in relief. Ben Joyce, a unicorn. Um, you know, Lollapalooza, a guy throws 105 miles per hour, and he, he sits 101, which is just so exciting. But, um, you know, they, they have young guys that are coming in from the system that are interesting. But at the same time, you, you have to find impact. And and right now, outside of uh, Sean Well and, and Neto and Ohapi and, and Detmers, uh, and I guess you could date back to Taylor Ward as well, I'm not so sure how that's going to fare. Yeah, you know, it seems like they are just – the bones of some some of a decent roster is here. There are just obviously a couple of pieces away, I think. What you highlighted with the rotation is spot on. Um there was a lot of guys in this rotation, frankly, like all five, that you really more want as you feel more comfortable as your three, four, five guys. You know, if you have a one and a two, you go out and you sign, let's say you went out and you signed Blake Snell, you followed that up with Jordan Montgomery, you push Reed Detmers down to three, then it's canning at four, Sandoval at five. That's a pretty good rotation. You got, you know, Silseth and Anderson sort of as rotation depth. You kind of need seven starters going into the season. And then you're like a big bat or two away. Um, they tried to go out and, and do that a few years ago. And I know his name has been out there in the media. The comments have been discussed quite a bit. That's Anthony Rendon. It would be nice to see a bounce back from him. But at this point, how much has, how much faith is lost? I mean, how many years are left in this contract too? Uh, two? I think three. I want, uh, let's see, 2020, 21. Uh, no, you're right. He's got two left. Two left. Okay, yeah, two. That made sense. So, Two more years in this contract. He obviously has not delivered at all as an angel. He goes out, he makes those comments about family and faith coming in front of baseball. I don't, I don't think that's all that crazy. Um, if anything, it's, it's kind of a throwaway comment because of who he is and all that. So you have perspective on this. Obviously, you know, you're around the team, fan of the team and following it, covering it for a long time. So talk to me a little bit about how those comments were perceived and what your take is on it. You know, I, I think, you and I were talking about it when you watch the the tape of of the recording because I'm not in Arizona sadly but you watch the the interview itself Anthony's just being Anthony you know he's he's got some sarcasm to him he's just being himself and and he comes out and says 
you know, baseball is not my number one priority. It's my family and my faith. And and I think, you know, you're a family man, Jeff, and, and we can attest to that as married men and, and you have kids. It's, I think the comment that got lost is the part where he says, I can't play with my kids because I'm, I'm so, I'm, I hurt so much. And, you know, you, you kind of empathize with the guy, but at the same time, you have to sit there and say, you and I talked about it. I really like my job. I get to write about baseball and I enjoy it. If I didn't, I would still be doing it because it's my job and I have to provide for my family. So I understand that aspect of it, but I'm also not getting paid 30 something million dollars a year to do it. Um, so there is an expectation to the craft. So if he is uh, making the attempt to play and, and do his job to the capability and, and the, the financial situation he's in, then yeah, I think it's going to be something that's accepted. Fine. You know, is if he's putting his foot forward and saying, I'm going to play baseball because uh, I'm going to play baseball really well, because not only am I, you know, do I owe my boss that because that's what I'm getting paid to do, but also it's what I provide for my family with then sure, you know, that's a different thing. But I think more than anything, it's, it's the perspective of Anthony Rendon. Yeah. This is a guy that, that is very, um, outspoken to a sense and when he's not outspoken he's he's dead silent uh and that could be really frustrating so i think the the biggest thing he's only played i want to say i i feel like 100 games on the nose 200 okay i was gonna say it was 162 so he's got a little more than i thought but 50 games a year for 35 million a year exactly some of that is very fluky um, you know, these, these injuries are not something that we just run across where it's like he pulls his hamstring every, every other week kind of deal. The, these are things that are very odd and, and very tough to, to get through, you know, deep tissue bleeding. Uh, that's, you don't hear that a lot. So yeah. I think when it comes to Anthony, these last two years, you know, you have to, you've, you've already paid him, um, what was it, 120 million or, or 200, you know, however much money you've already paid him and invested towards him. But what he does on this back half is going to be really important to to how he's he's perceived. Um, yeah, I I'd love to see Anthony come back. I mean, uh, that that left-handed home run against Brett Phillips is one of the most exciting things over the last couple of years when it comes to the Angels during a no hitter of all things. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Anthony's fine. I think he's a good guy. I think he has his priorities straight. But at the same time, when you're getting paid thirty something million dollars a year to play baseball, you have to commit yourself to baseball as well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when he signed at the time, he was coming off, you know, for all intents and purposes, a seven war season was one of the best all around players uh, in the game and has not been able to play, you know, get on the field. And when he's been on the field has been okay, but has not been as impactful as you thought, particularly from a power perspective, the lineup really needs that this year. So Maybe uh, maybe Anthony Rendon is now driven to make us all eat crow, and he's going to he's going to rake um, forty home run season incoming. <laughs> we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into the actual top thirty list. We're gonna start talking top ten in a minute. But before we do that, we're gonna take a quick break right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we are back. It's Jeff Ponce, Baseball America Prospect Podcast. We're talking Angels prospects with Taylor Blake Ward. Taylor, all right, we're getting into the top 10 here now. Let's talk about the top three. I know we talked a little bit about Nolan Shannon. We can talk about him if you'd like. Or we can talk about Caden Dana. We can talk about Nelson Rada. Full list is up on the site, but where do you want to go first? I'm fine. I honestly, I was sitting here thinking about how are we going to talk about 30 guys or whatever, because (laughs) the angels have what I would call three impact prospects. And those are the three. Um, So I'm fine going any direction. I just, uh, you know, beyond those, I think more than anything, once we get beyond those three, you have so many questions about Mm -hmm. what is this prospect going to become? There's, there's plenty of upside. There's plenty of talent. Um, it's not that the Angels lack talented players, but it's are these role players? Are these utility players? Are they relievers? Those are the only three guys that I sit there and say, those are bona fide, legitimate Major League Baseball players. And uh, I guess we could start with Nolan Shonwell. I, you know, we, we mentioned it. He's not even a year removed from, from college, and he was only uh, 40 days removed from college when he goes and plays in the majors, right? Um he is going to be the first graduate of the Angels prospect list because I think he, uh, I think op- the day after opening day, he will be ineligible um, based on days and, and other things. But, you know, this is a guy that uh, he had um, uh, stigmatism in his right eye 
uh, prior to his junior year and prior to his junior year, he had a contact lens put in. And I feel like that changed everything. Cause I had plenty of questions about Nolan Shonwell. I was not a believer that this small program bat was going to do anything. That was a first base only guy. And, and you're taking him 11th overall and giving him eighth overall money. And, and I was very questionable about that, but then finding out that he had the corrective lens put in, and talking with him, the cadence for hitting is remarkable. And I really do think this guy is going to hit. Um, what I saw from him last year in, in his early pro stints, his swing was downhill. And I'd always heard that his swing was uphill. So I wonder if there was some mechanical adjustments that were going on and, and maybe time off away from baseball that made him just, there was no power. Uh, he, he hit for no power. He wasn't hitting the ball hard. And I wonder if there may have been a mechanical item at the time that we're going to see and find out very soon here in spring training, if he actually does possess power. But I think there's a guy that he's going to make enough contact. He's going to hit for a, a reasonably high average. Um, and when you do that and, you, and you're that big and have that kind of body, you're going to run into home runs. So I don't question that he's going to be a guy that's going to run into 20 home runs a year. Um, but are we going to see a guy that's going to grow into or have a swing pl uh, plane uh, and bat speed that's going to turn into 30 plus home runs or anything along those lines? So I, I, there are still questions about Sean Will, but, but the hitting tool and the cadence for hitting and the on-base ability, I truly believe in. I, I think he's going to be a heck of a hitter and a heck of a, a baseball player. Um, just may not fit that prototypical first-base profile. Yeah. Internally, we have a good comp on Nolan Sean Will, uh, and that's Mark Grace. And it's Ooh. actually it's a really good comp, but I think people forget Grace even sort of during the nineties. He, he led the he led major league in hits across. He led the nineties in hits. That's yeah. right. But he wasn't a huge power hitter. Uh, even though he played in a power hitting park, um, was a solid first baseman. Like I think Shannon could be. Um, never really, you know, had that power. Now, Shannon obviously did it at FAU. Prior summer in the Cape, I saw a lot of him because he was here for probably fifty games. I mean, he was here from the first week all the way until through the playoffs. Um, never hit a ball 100 miles an hour. His hardest hit ball in the Cape was 99 miles an hour. So that had stuck with me. And then he went out and obviously at FAU, like rakes, um, and then comes into pro ball. And immediately the data that we were getting on the batted ball side was like back to what it was in the Cape. So I don't know if it's an adjustment and maybe a comfort thing with Wood as well. I, and that I was a huge question, common, but it, it could possibly be something. I mean, it was a huge question about how he would handle wood bats because of his wood bat track record. And, and you see, so you saw it. And I like that I'm talking to someone that's seen it. Uh, that's not a scout because it's nice to, to have the data and everything, but it, you know, it was the biggest question was, can he handle a wood bat? And now that we're talking about that, you know, the, the one thing I will say is, when he recognized that he had the astigmatism and had it fixed, and that's when he kind of went off at FAU, that's yep. where I, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for that moment of, yes, this is real, or no, it's not. And the power is kind of where the yes, it's real kind of comment would come from. Um, mm -hmm. So I like that. I like that, that we mentioned in that. And, and I, uh, I have a comp for you when it comes to Nolan Shonwell. Um, throw in Nick Johnson in there. Okay. And by the way, I don't think Nolan's going to have a, a <laughs> I don't think he's going to have a career 400 on base percentage, but at the same time, you know, Mark Grace, Nick Johnson, I like, I like the, yeah, I, like I, I think it's, I think it's the high level hit tool, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's an unusual profile. Uh, I think in this draft, there were some legitimate questions just for the upside that was around them. Uh, I think if you look at 
the Angels' track record and certainly a, maybe a lack of continuity within certain positions, whether it's in coaching or player development, et cetera, maybe getting guys that are a little bit closer isn't so bad, um, you know, with a guy like Shannon. And I saw I saw the best of Zach Nato the previous summer as well. I love him. Like I'll, yeah. I'll say straight up, I think he's going to hit for more power than what we've seen. We saw the underlying exit velocity data is pretty good. I think he's going to elevate more. Um, and he's a phenomenal shortstop. Like I oh, went man. into the gate that year. He was kind of an afterthought. He actually got cut by Katuit and then picked up by Brewster. And like from the first week on until he got hurt, actually, it was at the game where he got hurt um, at Chatham. And then, I mean, he was like the best player. It was him and DeLauder. It was him and DeLauder were the two best players in the Cape. He gets hurt, misses a bunch of time, and then they made the playoffs. And, like, he did something crazy. It was like a high ankle sprain. Like, I thought he was done for the summer. And he came back, like, just for the playoffs and, like, played through the injury, gutted it out, and won the championship. But he actually moved Trey Faltini, who was at Texas at the time, was considered one of the best defensive infielders in college baseball. I showed up to Brewster ex- like expecting that Faltini was the shortstop and it was NATO. And I was like, okay. And then he homered and it was like, all right. <laughs> um, and he's, I mean, he's a skinny guy. Like I'm not going to say there there's you. a ton of bulk that could be added to that. I think there's 15, 20 pounds of muscle lurking there in the next four years. Oh, you know, I agree. Yeah. Your body, I, your body changes once you hit 24, 25. Like you, you could you get thicker, you get broader, like just in general. I think he's someone who's going to add strength. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And he's got a great attitude, really supportive family. Uh, love the parents. They're outspoken and supportive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% really with you. Up. You talk about excitement, right? And Zach Neto is that excitement. I'm just, I love the kid. He's such a great kid. And like you said, his family is astonishing. You know, Joaquin, his dad, it's just he plays yeah. with so much flair. And, and I think the thing that – with Zach is, you know, you, you see the leg kick and, and it throws you off, right? The, the leg kick is the first thing you see, it throws you off. But the, the barrel control with the violence involved is like he has back control with violence and he can add weight. It's like, man, this guy. And, you know, I think and he barely played in the minors. I think that's oh, hardly at all from a mid-major, like barely played in the minors. Right. Like, that's the other part of it. It's like, does he even have 500 minor league at bats? Oh, no. He's got, uh, I, he, I don't think he's 100. I think it might be more than that because the year before, right? Because he had, uh, you know what? He had, I'm going to pull it up as we, <laughs> as we chat. It, it, he only had 22 games, I think, in the minors, from yep. what I remember. Um, but I, you know, this guy's just very exciting in general. Um, let me see. Minor leagues. 217 plate appearances. Wow. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so there's, there's some, you know, with baseball, there's an adjustment period when guys get up, you kind of got to get like 1200 at bats. It's kind of like your 10th yeah. hour, that whole theory. I think it's the same thing with guys like this. So I, I do think with him and Shanuel, there is potential upside this season that those guys could produce more than, you know, we were even anticipating. Oh, I, I agree. And, and same with Logan Ohapi, you know, get him on the yeah, field regularly, absolutely. get the reps. I mean, you know, there are three very, very good move. young players. Oh, great. Ohapi, and, that was a great move by the angels. I mean, they don't necessarily get credit for when they make great moves, but you might <laughs> well, the have Phillies, a give Dombrowski too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Philly's got their answer with with Brandon, um, another great guy. But yeah, I mean, just in, incredible. Um, 
it's it's weird how that kind of plays out when when something positive happens the angels don't get credit for it do they <laughs> yeah i know exactly i think it's like i cover the rockies year round so i get it there's like the same thing where it's like no they actually draft pretty good players it's just like the way that the way the major league team is managed is an issue and i think that's what people latch on to is how things are uh, manage the major league level because they can watch the games they can follow the stories they can see the trades they know those players you know where they're not seeing like the minor leagues it's kind of like the waves yeah. underneath the motion, right it's what's causing that stuff you're seeing at the top but oh, you're absolutely. not seeing the action down there no and and it's uh it's interesting it's <laughs> i think a lot of it starts from the very top right the well, the, the 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 very top and then yeah. st- slowly funnels down and, and you have to make opinions based on how it funnels down Exactly. Um, you know what? We don't talk whole top five. I do want to sort of hone in a little bit and get your opinion on Caden Dana. Looks the part. You know, prototypical pitcher build, 6'4", broad shoulders, strong, kind of has that workhorse sort of body. Um, New Jersey prep guy, cold weather arm, really good stuff. Interesting characteristics on the fastball as well. He's somebody that I, I – I tune into a lot of West Coast games. I get back from the park out here in the East around a certain time. You know, those those uh, California League games are coming on. The Northwest League games are coming on. So I'm tuning in a lot to these teams. I really liked what I saw from Dana. Um, maybe one of the more underrated pitching prospects, just from the potential, the package, you know, kind of has all the tools, checks all the boxes for me. Oh, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, talking to Kyle Glazer. Um, I know, you know, Kyle's not with Baseball America anymore at this point, but but talking with him, I said, did Nelson Rada or Caden Dana get any mention when it came to the top 100? And I said, I wasn't expecting it, and I wasn't expecting it all, but I thought Caden Dana is young command away from being a very good pitcher. And, and I say young command because he's only 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And you can see that the the fastball command is a little off to be to make him that next level guy, but he's got legitimate pitches across the board. Um, he knows what he's doing, and mentally, I think is is the big thing. Is you know he might make a mistake. Um, he might make a mistake. The next pitch will not be. He knows immediately how to find success, how to get out. So this is a guy that I'm very high on. And like you said, um, one of the more underrated arms in baseball, probably a workhorse type. Um, I did not like the Noah Syndergaard comparisons when he was coming out of the draft. I really like him now. I think, you know, minus the velocity of, of Noah Syndergaard when he was coming up kind of thing, the Noah Syndergaard that we've seen the last couple of years, uh, maybe not the last two years, but just a very, um, a very good pitcher. And I, I hate how simple that sounds, but it's true. There's a guy that just has an arsenal that's going to play. The fastball is going to work. Um, it's just, can he refine his command just enough and then as soon as he does that, you know, you're going to see him take steps and be in the majors, I think, very quickly. Even if it wasn't the Angels, I think he's one of those guys that has the polish to kind of be up very quickly. Yeah, and I think the thing with him, too, is, you know, you mentioned the command, which is always kind of the last piece. But there's so many guys now in the minors where they jump on the stuff plus model. The data jumps out to you, right? Um, but they're 5'11", 6 feet. Yeah. Six one, maybe skinny, undersized. That's not a starter. It's just so hard in the major leagues to number one stay healthy while pitching. It's not a natural motion, but <laughs> to be able to accumulate innings 
you have to have major leaguers are big guys. I think people get so caught up in how big football players are or how tall basketball players are that they don't realize that like the average major leaguer is 6'2", 215, 220 pounds of muscle, you know, um, and that's the average, right? The Mookies, yeah. those guys, the Jose Ramirez's, the, the Jose Altuve's, those guys are the outliers. They are the, the anomalies. There are so many six four guys, especially if you're around a pitching staff. And I'm I'm six feet two oh five, two ten, depending upon the day. And like I feel pretty small around some pitching staffs from time to time, you know, not around shortstops and infielders. <laughs> Well, that's what I was I was I'm talking like, to the average human being, you know. I think people forget that you need to be sort of that big. And that's the thing with Dana for me is you know, you're talking about a young guy here that has good stuff, he checks all those boxes analytically, and then on top of it, he has that power pitcher build, which is really like that's the combination that we're all looking for right now. You know, you can you can jump on, on the metrics, you can jump on the stuff plus models, but if you're not gonna be able to, you know, go out there every you know five six days and throw that's a major issue you know and, I, and i'll also say like i i understand the noah Syndergaard comp but not really the, the fastball quality for dana is much better than Syndergaard's ever was even prime Syndergaard, it was all velocity really not anything unusual release he wasn't a, he's never been a high hop guy um where dana's like 18 to 20 inches of ivb pretty av- uh, like on average heavy bore like 11 to 13 sometimes 14 inches of horizontal break on top of that it's a pretty efficient forcing fastball and you know, i think there's more to come too so that, i agree it's an interesting it, pitch mix. and going back to the body I, I was talking to a longtime scouting director about this i said when is a pitcher too short and he said well, what am i looking for am i looking for a, a starting pitcher or a reliever and i said you know what's your starter you, you're looking in the first round here for a starter and he says the guy is under 6'2", I'm going to have a lot of questions. So the fact that Caden is 6'4", 200 pounds or 200 plus pounds is remarkable. The one thing, the problem with Dana, he did get shut down. um, And the Angels did call it workload management while there was a little bit of conversation about arm fatigue um, when it came to him. It wasn't an injury that that took him out per se. But this is a guy that uh, now we're in an age of baseball where, where workload management is very important. Uh, maybe not to the equivalent of what's going on in the NBA, but you know, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what the Angels do with him this next year if they actually give him 100 to 150 innings yeah. in development. And, and it's going to be a big sign when it comes to him. Um, but like you said, you know, Caden Dana has all the markers of what you're looking for and someone that you're going to throw a mid rotation grade mm-hmm. on, a, a 50 grade mid-rotation arm that's going to go out put a 100 era plus be league average or maybe a 100 you know above 100 plus era plus um but this is just a very reliable arm when it comes to projection yeah absolutely um all right let's move on to sort of the back end of the top 10 here we talked a little bit at the top we talked these are our three legitimate prospects from four to ten who's the guy that you do believe in within that group uh, the most. We got mm. some relievers here. We got some, we got mostly, mostly relievers. I was going to say, is Ben Joyce too easy? <laughs> is, is Ben Joyce way too easy to say no. that's going to be the guy? Ben no, no I, uh, I'll say the guy that it's not the guy I believe in the most, but the guy that I think 
has the most upside and is very close to tapping into is Denzer Guzman. Um, he is a legitimate shortstop. He has a cadence, the rhythm, full-blown legitimate shortstop. Uh, probably, I don't think I threw a seven grade on his arm, but it's it's close. It's a six grade on the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can move him over to third, but I wouldn't. I'd keep him at shortstop. Even if Neto is there, I'd, I'd do some maneuvering there. This is a guy that looks so hitterish, has power, has a hit tool, looks the part. He cannot hit same side breaking balls right now. And he is 18 years old, 18, 19 years old. Um, and you're talking about him going to the Cal League facing 22, 23, 24 year olds that are throwing that maybe the slider is the only good pitch they have and they're just bearing it on him. So when it comes to performance, he didn't have the prettiest on paper performance, uh, even for his age in the league. But I saw later in the season, he was able to hit changeups a little bit better. And he was uh, holding back. Even if it was a strike, he was recognizing spin. Um, he was recognizing it was a slider. He was he was taking on it. And maybe it landed in the zone. Maybe it didn't. And I think once he can figure out a way to hit a breaking ball, this is going to be a guy that's going to really blossom into a potential everyday player. And that's someone that I think is really exciting is Denzer Guzman. Um Kyron Paris, we've seen the growth of him over the years. Uh, really like Kyron Paris. Um, I know we didn't touch on Nelson Rada, but I think Nelson Rada is really great. I think his uh, he's so advanced at the plate. He knows what he's doing at the plate. Um, doesn't really have a frame that's going to suggest he's going to grow into power necessarily. Sure. Um, but I think there's power in there. He has the ability to hit for power. He just didn't show it this year. I'm not going to say he's going to be a 20-plus home run guy, probably a 10-plus home run guy. Um, his speed on paper is a lot better than his actual speed, but he's a, a real center fielder, true center fielder, can play the position well. Um, so I really like Nelson Rada a ton. Um, Barrett Kent was a guy that really excited me when I saw him. Um, kind of a three, four pitch guy. Um, he has kind of a show me curve that's not really, I think they're going to scrap that entirely. Uh, but a decent slider, pretty good slider. The changeup is pretty well advanced for his age. The fastball is going to play. It has really good life in action. Um, and he's showing that he can throw strikes. Now, is it going to be uh, – it's growing into how to throw better strikes. That's going to be his thing. But I think Barrett Kent is another guy that is on that kind of Caden Dana train of he's got the body, he's got the stuff, he's got the the ability to command the zone right now, um, but can he command it a little bit better? And when he grows into a better command um, – I think that's another guy that's going to be a starting pitcher. And I think that's where we, we make the mark is how many, you know, every organization is going to have X amount of prospects, right? But how many legitimate starting pitchers are in each organization? And I think the angels might have two when it comes to uh, Barrett Kent and Caden Dana. We got plenty of relievers. That's yes, sure. very much. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit back end of the list here. We're obviously not going to go through all the names, all 30 reports are up at Baseball America, plus the 31 to 40. You can go from 11 to 40 here if you want. It's, Give me a couple of sleepers or breakouts. I'll say this. My uh, my gap from 15 to 40 was not a big gap. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions about what role is this player going to fit? What upside are they going to tap into and become? So, yeah, there are guys that are probably ranked number 30 right now or even 32, 33 that next year they're going to be top 10 prospects because they've tapped into their upside. Uh, Keith Elkey is one of those guys I think is going to really kind of blossom. But the guy that I'm always going to come back to, there's three, and they're all catchers. Um, Juan Flores, 
a very young Dominican catcher. Uh, he's from Venezuela, played in the Dominican last year. Um, Dario Laverde, um, another young one, and Alberto Rios. Now, uh, Juan Flores, I'm never going to throw an 80 grade on defense for a 16, 17-year-old, but I really struggled putting a 7 grade on his defense. <laughs> I really struggled not putting an 8 on it. He is remarkably gifted and remarkably talented behind the plate. And, and for his age and what he's going to become and grow into is remarkable. Um, the arm is there. And he hit a lot better than expected. Uh, and it seems like the Angels are going to try and put him in a full season affiliate to start the year this year, which for a guy that's only been in the Dominican and had questions about the bat, I love it. I cannot wait to see Juan Flores a full season affiliate. Dario Laverde is a really interesting one. Converted outfielder, so super athletic guy that's behind the plate. You could side-by-side side him in almost every category, and you're looking at Edgar Carroll, um, minus the switch hitting. Um, he looks exactly like Edgar Carroll. Um, I would say Laverde's a little bit better behind the plate when it comes to receiving, but doesn't have the the throwing motion. He's still taking the step forward. So there's a lot of kinks to keeping him behind the plate, but he's a guy that's going to hit. Uh, I really like Laverde. And Alberto Rios, I mean – played remarkably well it's a great story from what he did during his years three years at stanford um you know the bullpen catcher to eight plate appearances to start his collegiate career into pac-12 player of the year um they're gonna catch him he did it at instructs obviously the last time he did it was in the bullpen at stanford they liked what they saw at instructs enough to to keep him behind the plate and develop him there because he doesn't really have a defensive home there was a lot of questions about would it be left field third base second base DH only kind of guy. So if he can catch and he can hit to the ability that, that he's shown in the recent past, I think this is a guy that's really going to be interesting. That's, that's awesome. I, I love that story too, with Rios too. Um, one of the better stories, obviously the last couple of years in the game. Um, I have a name I want to throw out at you. Have you watched Camden Minachi pitch? Not yet. Well, okay, wait, 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 well. Have you seen highlights? Have you ever watched the I have not seen game? them in person. I'll say this. I haven't seen them in okay. person. I ha- I, I watched them 25 times last year for Wake Forest, you know, yeah, whenever yeah, they were on. Right. Yeah, I mean, dude's exciting as can be. He's, he's, he's so much fun. He's, there's I, don't a, know, there's, I don't know what he's going to be. I think it's probably like a middle relief ceiling, but like. There's, there's energy. Is. There's like. Our energy, our high energy, and then there's Camden Minachi's energy, which oh, is yeah. like constant. His, his heartbeat has to be sitting a hundred. I mean, he is so sticking, so cool. animated after he strikes guys oh, out awesome. too. Like the step is just all of it. He's just but he's, yeah. at the same time he's got major league stuff, and, and I think he's got major league stuff. Stuff wise, right now he could play in the majors. Um, command and figuring a few things out. Um, maybe tempering down. Maybe taking that energy back down to here might do him some good things uh, to get him to the major league. But yeah, like you said, mid relief type based on what we're looking at. But at the same time, um, whether you believe it or not, closers and high leverage relievers are wired differently. And this guy is wired very differently. So he's he been might, that, he was uh, a, a Florida prep guy. Like yeah. he's just exciting. I've seen him a handful of times now. I always get jacked up uh, for Minachi. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're throwing two sixties on a, a fastball slider, both sixties plus pitches. Probably uh, always going to be around forty command, and that's yeah. where I. It's where do you kind of lean on that? But he's yeah, definitely a dude. <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you miss some bats. Um. All right. Well, I think that is uh, a good sort of synopsis overview of the Angels' current uh, prospect list. Go and check that out on Baseball America. 
Taylor, I want to thank you for jumping on with me and talking a little angels before we wrap up here. Any sort of closing thoughts on the system, the organization, the direction in 2024? I just think there's always kind of been a negative. We talked about it. There's always kind of been a negative connotation when it comes to the angels. Um, there is definitely a negative connotation where I just sat and said, they only have three impact players in the system. And, and one of them is not even going to be a, a prospect less than a week into the season. <laughs> they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of skill. They have a lot of very good players. Their development staff has to take that step forward and get these guys to hit their upside. And it's as simple as that. I really like all of their development staff. I, I really like Elmer Dessens. Um, I think he's done wonders. I think that Andy Shotsley has done wonders. You know, these are direct coaches, hands-on coaches. Um, but you have to see an organization-wide marker of consistent development. And I think part of that, you know, we talked about Neto and, and uh, Sean Will going straight to the majors kind of thing. Still Seth going straight to the majors. Sometimes you kind of have to go into a, a more, uh, more modern development where it takes time. But I think if they take time with these kids and the development staff gets the best out of these kids, there is some real talent in this farm system. But if they don't, um, we're going to be saying the same thing we've been saying for a while. <laughs> and hopefully we're not. Hopefully a yes. year from now we're, we're jumping on this podcast again and talking about some positive developments uh, in the farm system. For Taylor Blake Ward, I'm Jeff Ponce. This has been the Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.